Hello and welcome to this episode of the Skiff Meetings Podcast, the podcast for curious meeting professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Miguel Nevsch and I'm the editor-in-chief of Skiff Meetings. In this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with Anka Trifan, founder, creator, and CEO of Trifan Events and head of the Events Demystified podcast. Anka is a passionate advocate for women in event technology and production. She's also a fitness athlete and a motivational speaker on mental and physical fitness. In this episode, we talk about things like working from the bottom up in AV and event production, partnering with competitors or co-opetition as the secret of success, the challenge of normalizing women in event production and AV, particularly behind the scenes, the importance of following a program for achieving breakthroughs in fitness and in life, and why Anka is actively exploring the metaverse and why she's excited about the lack of creative limits. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the podcast. You can find these on our website or by subscribing through your favorite podcast service. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Host your convention or trade show in Philadelphia, one of America's leading life sciences hubs. PHL Life Sciences, the first and only CVB division of its kind, will connect you to the professionals at the forefront of your industry and to a culture you can only find in Philadelphia. A city known for its rich history that's forging a bright future, Philadelphia challenges the expected and defies convention. A world of discovery is waiting. Visit phllife.com to learn more. Hello, Anka. Nice to see you again. Welcome to the Event Manager Podcast by Stiff, Stiff Meetings. Really nice to have you here with us. Thank you, Miguel. It feels like um, it's been a minute since I saw you. You um, you seem to be everywhere. So yes. <laughs> it's good to see you virtually as well as in person. It's always fun when you connect with people in person after you actually had a little bit of a rapport you know, built over um, the airways. I know we saw each other at IMAX America and mm -hmm. I don't think we'd met in person before that. And we'd uh, been sort of in contact for probably a couple of years over the pandemic. So uh, it's been a, a journey, right? Well, you know what happened after IMAX, like just last year, like crazy event season traveling happened. I don't think I've actually been able to catch my breath until end of December. So there's yes. that. <laughs> Absolutely. So now it's sort of new year and the, the, the crazy event season's about to start again, hopefully kind of. It, it is actually, I'm, in, in... I'm starting to travel next week heavily again. And I said that I will be a little bit more discerning this time on how many times I jump on that plane. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I think you have a young family, right? So it's kind of important to, 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 to get that balance, right? You know, the challenges, right? Absolutely. I think I think we're we're very keen to get on planes and go to places, but sometimes we we regret that or at least it's it's better to have a, a more balanced kind of approach, I think. I won't lie though. Sometimes I do do it just because I want to escape whatever's around here. <laughs> <laughs> escape the family. Yes. That's yes. also that's also the other side to it. So Anka, um would love to get your your kind of uh introduction about who you are and, and what you do, but also how you got started with everything. In the, in the events industry? Oh man, how much time do we have? I mean, there's like uh, two decades <laughs> of stuff <laughs> to fill you in. Um, I'll try to give you the 
small version, I suppose. Um, so before I started actually my agency, Trifan Events, which is a woman-owned boutique, technical event planning and production agency, I started in radio. It was actually a really good time, fun time to um, bypass all the high school drama. You know, like people go through high school and it's not necessarily the happiest times ever. So for me, radio is what gave me a different purpose and sort of like put me in the category of the cool kids, even though I never consider myself to be a cool kid, you know. Yeah. So I've done that in the you know, throughout high school and college. And that's the first place where I started noticing um, audiovisual equipment. And I started realizing uh, things about myself that I didn't know, which was that I actually had uh, <clears throat> uh, quite of a bit of a, a technical proudness. I could figure things really fast. I could learn things really fast and I could make things happen really fast, technically. So that was what propelled me into wanting to learn more about sound engineering. This was the one thing that I had in front of me, this audio mixer, and I was seeking opportunities. Unfortunately, in Romania, at the time, and even now, actually, two decades later, sadly to say, I haven't had any opportunities. So my dream was to find a way for me to get me to the land of opportunities, which is U.S. So that was that became my goal. And I was given the opportunity to actually um, get on a scholarship, come to U.S. And it's a long story of how, you know, you land in US and there's so many challenges, cultural challenges. I mean, for me, just being on my own as a 20 year old and having had no exposure to like even different color people, like that was a shocker. Okay. It's like, oh my gosh, you only have the information that's relied to you through all the movies and the Hollywood that at the time was portrayed. And let, let me tell you, I come from a communist country at the time, right? So the information was so much this misinformation, right? So little things like that, that really, it took a lot of resilience not to get back on the plane and just fly right back. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, why did I come here? And then starting from the bottom up. I mean, if you think about in Romania, I was a radio host. I actually had fun, fan letters uh, by the buckets just sent to my house. My mom, I think, still keeps them somewhere, I don't know, in the attic. <laughs> it's just so funny to know that she would actually hold on to them. But I came here and then I had to start from the bottom up, like cleaning offices, like cleaning toilets. Like, what am I doing with my life? Like, this is not the American dream, right? So um, I guess as a very determined person, I just never gave up. I knew that if I work hard enough, I will get to where I want to be. So I started, you know, working all the jobs to be able to pay for an education. I already had a computer science degree, but I needed to figure out how do I translate that into uh, US credits. And it's like a whole different conversation of how difficult that is. It's funny because I was having Tahira and Dean on my podcast and she's Canadian. She was just talking about her process, you know, uh, later in life of doing that just with her Canadian credits to just partake in some university here in the US. And I'm like, you have no idea. You're talking my language because I've been through all of that, you know, just transferring all those credits and trying to like use some of the education that I've already had. So 
eventually all of that uh, led into getting my foot in the door. Actually, my computer science degree got my foot in the door into a production uh, house to fix their computers. I mean, you're an IT person, right? You know how to fix computers. I'm like, sure, I'll do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, that's not what I wanted to do. So sure, soon enough, they learned that that's not what I was passionate about. So I started learning audiovisual from the ground up and I started, um, you know, working hard. And as a responsible adult, you know, you start being uh, put in different roles because they see that what you do, you follow through and you care, right? So as long as you figure out a way in which you can live your passion, and for me, that was that, um, you're going to make, you know, you're going to get where you want to be. And for me, it was like, how do I get to mix all these amazing bands? And I started working fashion shows. And I was actually, I'm in the process of like, I'm going to put it out there and probably I'm not going to shoot myself in the foot, but I'm in the process of writing a book um, of all this journey that I've had as a woman in AV production. And I was, I just went back to like, 2004, 2005, 2006, all the years, you know, that I was working event production and I was doing pretty cool things. Like I forgot how many fashion shows I've done, you know, like, oh, that's right. I was involved in the LA Fashion Week and all this uh, celebrities like Kim Kardashian, actually, she just started as a celebrity on one of the run shows I worked on. And this was in 2007. Like she wasn't the celebrity that she is today. And I work with her and I'm like, I totally forgot about it. I'm like, <laughs> oh. you know, I, it was something like fun that, you know, at the time we were just doing our job. We didn't have social media to distract us from <laughs> all the work that we wanted to do. So all that to say, I got to a place where after I've built enough experience, I've also, you know, gotten myself quite burnt out in the industry and I needed to change paths. And for me, that meant going from uh, in-person live events as in live concerts and constantly doing uh, things, you know, like fashion shows at the Grove, in LA, in Vegas, to a more, um, I, I would say, um, planned out <laughs> event structure, which was the corporate world. And that's when I made a decision to move into corporate and become more of a technical event director, technical event planner, uh, project manager. And I just needed a break for a few years to just not be hands-on so heavily involved with all the things. And I mean, when I say all the things, I I was doing everything that any other guy on the, on the crew was doing, you know, so... Obviously, that had quite a bit of a toll on my body and mentally. And um, I remember at one point when when I had to make the decisions because I literally crashed on a, a Las Vegas convention floor because I was so overworked by then that my body just failed. Like, there's nothing else. It's like, I was lame on the floor and there's nothing that would revive me. And that's when, like, my boss at the time was like, freaked out it's like oh my gosh i just ran my crew into the ground because we were on a high um, pressure event and things weren't working out and we were already doing like 24 hours non-stop of troubleshooting so it's like one of those things where like oh my gosh like we need to stop we need to break and if things don't work like we're just gonna have to l let it be you know so I went into corporate events and in my journey in corporate events and doing a lot of fundraising events, I realized that I'm working so hard for everyone else when I could be working for myself. <laughs> 
And that's when I decided to start my own agency. And I sort of like turned the tables and I was, okay, so I'm not going to work for this uh, AV production company anymore. I'm going to use them as a resource, as a partner for my own events. You know, I already have enough clients that contact me and, and, and call me for their event needs. Why don't I do that, you know, full time? So that's what I started doing. That was also a pivot in, in my life where um, I was uh, pregnant with my second um, child. And I knew that I wanted to do t- things differently than what I did with my first uh, um, child with my son. I mean, with my son, I worked until my 40th week. I was literally climbing ladders and Hanging Lycos, which if you don't know, if you're not in my production, that's like this huge, long source for fixture. Uh, that's about 50 pounds. And I'm like, we 40 weeks pregnant, like doing this, like that's insane. Like nobody should do that. Right. And I worked until my 40th week, my water broke on the job. <laughs> oh. And I went to the hospital. Two months later, I was right back at it. Like crazy stuff, right? So, because again, I have a passion for what I do and it gives me so much joy and just accomplishment. And there's a bit of a, you know, dopamine that comes with a job well done. So the second time around, I was like, okay, obviously at the time, I didn't even realize that I was dealing with a little bit of postpartum depression and that mom guilt that you have, like regardless if you admit to it or not, that... I'm responsible for like a human now and I'm not doing a really good job at it. Like I'm so career oriented that that seems to be like as a, you know, inconvenience. And I felt very guilty. Like I carried a lot of shame because of it. So the second time around, I said, okay, I'm going to do things differently. Like I'm going to take a year off. I'm just going to enjoy this second baby. This is our last baby. Let's just, you know, do this. In the middle of that, somewhere, you know, along the way, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is so boring. I'm going to start my agency now. (laughs) (laughs) So I did ease into it. However, I didn't travel as crazy and as much, you know, right off the bat. But it gave me a bit of that time to enjoy a bit, like, you know, having a baby and enjoying that time together, the bonding. And it, it, it made such a difference, honestly, like day to night in just the bonding alone. So, yeah. And that is basically, I don't know, it's, that was uh, seven years ago. And okay. and um, this is Tree Fan Events. And this is since Tree Fan Events started. And then, you know, a few years into that, we COVID happened <laughs> and all the, you know, uh, pivoting to virtual events. And and by the time I was constantly actually traveling uh, for events until COVID, until March, you know, of 2020. So all the clients that I had you know, on my docket to work with, we had to come up with a solution for their events. And that's why that that switch, that pivot happened so fast because uh, we we had to figure out what we're going to do with all this non uh, nonprofit events, a lot of fundraising events that I was doing at the time. So, yeah. And then, you know, we know the cycle of what happened after that. Lots of like going back and forth. Oh, now we're back in person, but actually we're not. And then last year, just the influx of in-person and traveling nonstop. And we'll see what this year looks like. I'm seeing in, you know, as I'm looking at the, just at the forecast, you know, for the year, I see like almost like 
a split, a perfect split between people that are going full-fledged, they're just going to go for it, versus people that have put um, their brakes on. And event planners, they're just like, okay, I don't know what's going to happen. Like clients that are not ready to commit yet. You know, beginning of January, um, first week, I was looking at my calendar. I'm like, yay, I can take one more month off to just, you know, really... (laughs) <laughs> get a, get a little better after a whole burnout season of last year and work on my mental fitness and uh, you know I I'm already very committed to my physical fitness but I feel like this year I really want to dive deeper into my mental fitness and just get the same outcome that I enjoy just putting time into my physical fitness so as I'm like looking at the prospect of the month I was like oh it's great the next week I'm actually not even next week probably three days later, I have 10 events laid out. Like they just came like boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, like I already the anxiety. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't say yes to everything, but there's are some great opportunities, right? So like you're faced with that a bit of a like feast of famine even now. So we'll see what that might pan out to be, but I'm starting traveling again next week and it's going to be three shows, one after another, leaving out of my suitcase for another two weeks and a half. So <laughs> It's uh, good to be busy, but absolutely important to also find that balance, right? Um, yeah. So, so just to uh, to wrap up that that tree fan events, you do production. Um, where do you draw the line? You know, like when people come to you, um, if they want event design, if they want, you know, what what areas do you sort of have to have someone else involved, and what areas mm-hmm. do you take on yourself? There's a lot of things that I know from the get-go that I don't do. So when you think about event planning, the the traditional event planning way, I don't do that. Like I would have event planners um, work under the agency or I would just, you know, give them a, a, a part of that event and you can deal with all the contract negotiations as far as the venues concerned, food and beverage, linens, flowers, all of that decor, you know, if it's not uh, AV related or production related. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't want to deal with that. I could, I've done it. I don't want to, <laughs> that's not where my passion lies. Um, also, I have um, a few event planners that I go to just for the contract negotiations for hotel rooms for, they are the best at what they do in that space. And um, I'd rather rely on their expertise than me having to take that on. Um, that's why I'm an agency. I can use the partners and resources that I've made over the years, and mm-hmm. we can all coexist in this environment as long as we have, you know, this abundance mindset. I love this one term that actually I came across that I'm using now because it's really represents a lot of the relationship that I have with a lot of my partners and it's called competition. There's instances in which we might compete on some things, but there's a lot of other instances where we actually cooperate for the benefit of the event, right? So that's like that perfect middle of the line where we could be competitors, but we're also collaborators. So it's the competition, the middle of the road where we're gonna make it work for this one event, even though maybe in other instances, we might compete against you know each other. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And I think that's a very healthy approach to be able to say which you know which things you can take on and which things you, you, you can't take on or, or you don't wanna take on. Um, yeah. So. It's good to be in a position where you can do that. So when you're kind of um, creating an event, what 
What do you think makes a real difference to an event? You know, what, when, when it's a when it's a tree fan events event, what is the stamp that says, yeah, this is this event is a little bit better or that little bit more special than the others? What do you think that that kind of magic sauce is? Um, communication, attention to detail, and just caring. And those three elements, if you can find an event professional that has your back because they care, not because they're just there to collect a check, you're always going to be a winner. <laughs> you're always going to have the best of uh, all the worlds because I've seen it again and again where everything that I had to, you know, things that I had to do on the day of the event were way beyond the spec of what was on the estimate or on the invoice because things sometimes just get thrown at you. Like you get to deal with situations like, oh, uh, we were relying on the venue Wi-Fi, but now there is like, you know, the venue is crashing and it's burning and we need to bring in a different uh, option. And that sometimes means, you know, uh, I got to ingest the cost or if I have a really good client, they're going to say, yes, I'm going to pay for this. But to me, that doesn't matter. That's not the cost is making this happen. Right. So I'll use all my resources. I've actually had to drive to different stores in the middle of a setup just to find battery backups for a lot of the AV equipment that we were running because the venue uh, electrical just started busting. Like <laughs> the circuits were just not there and we were way overloading them. So we're like, we need backups. Like we need battery backups. So I'm running from store to store to store, find battery backups because Amazon Prime won't gonna drop ship in like, you know, in a couple of hours time. So that's the type of the partner that you want that will do whatever it takes to make sure that you as a client are successful and that event is a success and they're not afraid to roll up their sleeves and do all the things. I'm a hard worker when it comes to my events and there is no thing that I wouldn't do just to make sure that it turns out great, you know? So those are the few things that, and communication for me, that's number one. I will figure out a way to get answers from vendors that are very unresponsive many times, you know, I'll go and knock at the door if I have to. Like, I, I'm not afraid to be that person that will come uh, and be annoyingly annoying until they get what they need as far as answers go. So I'm actually in the middle of um, planning an event for next uh, week and the venue um, has their in-house that's part of the banquet uh, <laughs> team. That's the AV. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's a recipe for disaster. So I'm already ready to, you know, bring gear and make it happen. Uh, and it's a smaller event, you know, but I'm going to be the technical director for that. And the people supposedly in charge they're so responsive, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm today, like once we're done with our recording, I've got, you know, my day set up to go and make some calls and get to the bottom of it because we need some answers. We need to have a plan. I don't just roll in and hope for the best. I need to have a plan. I like it. Very, 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 very detailed, I guess would be the, the best way to look at it. <laughs> you could say that. Yes. <laughs> so there are not many uh, women working back of house, right? We're, we've been working in AV and I think your podcast and a lot of the work that you do um, highlights that. Um, why do you think that is and how do we do something about it? Well, first off, thank you so much for actually, you know, <laughs> making this a 
topic of conversation. Um, I think that there's there's need for way more uh, attention to be had to this misrepresentation of female in what I would call, because it's true, a male-dominated field. Now, AV productions and event productions are not the, is not the only field that is male-dominated. You know, we have technology, we have medical sciences, we have even art. There's many other areas where there is a misrepresentation of women in uh, those, you know, kind of more male-heavy uh, fields. And the reason why uh, it matters. The reason why we should be talking about it more is because it keeps sustaining this unequal and unjust power relations in decision making. And at the end of the day, it is about visibility, like being present in spaces where important decisions are being made and where important things are being discussed. And it is about knowing that as a woman, you can hold a position of power, even if that is like being the lead engineer on a show or being the technical director or being the show caller or the stage man, I, I guess stage manager, not necessarily position of power, but it could be, right? It depends on the show uh, or the project manager. What it, whatever it is that your ambitious little heart wants, you should be able to get that position and not based on the fact that you're feeling or not, but based on your um, capabilities. So what I, you know, I see a lot is like as a woman, your presence should matter as well. You should have equal chances of becoming whatever you want to be and have this, uh, just as many opportunities as men have. And yes, like I said, it's not just because you're a female. It's because you have the qualities and the skills as necessary to carry on with your uh, job requirements. But, you know, after so many years and after so many different examples sometimes we do conclude that maybe more get men get chosen over and over again right so for me like the platform that you you mentioned you know uh, the podcast actually i had a season where all i did was interview women behind the scenes and front of scenes and get their stories out there there's a lot of women behind the scenes that are actually sort of like afraid to tell their story. And many will just give you the superficial um, level, you know, on air because they know there's some repercussions if they talked more about their experiences. But behind the scenes, when you start to talk to them and the microphone is off, you hear some stories where it kind of makes you cringe, you know? So obviously my passion is for women working in AV and event production because I've been a woman in AV production for almost two decades now. And I want to see more representation. I want to see that we examine, you know, why is it that women don't get a fair chance? Why is it that there's still challenges for women to hold those positions? Why is it that it's hard for women to want to be in those positions or stick to it, right? And again, I have also had amazing mentors and most of my mentors, actually, I don't remember one time to have had a female mentor in this field. And that's another side, right? Like how come I could not find one female to be my mentor over a, a career of two decades? I have not, like I looked, I looked left and right and I just couldn't. So I'm not saying this is an attack to men because there's plenty of wonderful men out there that are excellent at what they do. What I'm trying to say is that people are so used to seeing men behind the scenes that sometimes you walk in a situation and even the event planner will go and seek the guy in a room instead of that, instead of assuming that maybe 
just maybe a female could be in charge of that production. And it has happened to me again and again. So that's why like it matters that we need to normalize that we see more women in some of those technical positions. And we imagine that women are capable and able to fill those positions instead of making it sort of like, well, it's unthinkable to think that a event could be run by a crew woman. Actually, I've done it. I made it a point. I had an event in LA and I made it a point to have a, a crew made of women only. And I wanted to see like what happens. Honestly, I had vendors that told me to my face, if you do that, your event will tank. And I said, okay, let's see. Let's see if that's the case. No, it didn't tank. Actually, the client came back and because it was also, you know, a female um, um, audience and they were very sensitive at the type of energy that they have in the room, they they were so overjoyed to look behind the scenes and know that they can fully express themselves without having to worry that, you know, there's men in the room that they just don't, feels like a little like, you know, trapped to to be themselves in that type of uh, space. So yeah, the event was a success. And to anyone that would say that that would be a fail, uh, you probably haven't experienced it and maybe you should. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah one of the reasons why I think we certainly want to make this a priority because this lack of representation, it makes uh, women flee to other careers and force not to leave their passion and their dream. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that with us. And I think that's a great example and happy that you were able to do that. Are you ready to celebrate your successes in the world of meetings and events? The Skift Meetings Awards are back for 2024, recognizing the most innovative business events companies across 15 categories, and we want you to be a part of it. Winners will feature on Skift Meetings, sending a clear signal to events professionals around the world that these are partners they can rely on. The final deadline for submissions is June 11th. We encourage you to start your submission today to secure the best entry rates. For more information and to start your submission, head to live.skift.com. So the other area that I think you're very passionate about is, is fitness. And you mentioned it already. The physical fitness is something you're very passionate about. I know you've won some competitions and you're very, um, you know, something you do very regularly. It's really part of what you, who you are really, but also the mental fitness, right? The mm -hmm. mental well-being is something that you're kind of getting into. Yeah. So have you always been into physical fitness or was this something that you kind of started later on? Well, as I mentioned, you know, because I was a female in AV productions and working side by side with a lot of guys that, let's be honest, they're way stronger than a female in most cases. I mean, I kind of realized that, you know, I think fourth grade when instead of like fighting guys, I started to make them my ally because I knew that I wouldn't win <laughs> anymore. <laughs> But um, for me, yeah, fitness uh, and not necessarily at the extent that I actually embarked last year per se, like to go full-fledged into a bodybuilding competition. And I mean, not any kind of bodybuilding competition because there's so much, so much, I feel like even misinformation uh, when it comes to bodybuilding as a sport out there, right? Like natural bodybuilding means you will make sure that only your body and what it can do will show up on that stage and there is very rigid uh training that goes into that but also um there's a lot of um testing that goes with it like you're gonna get polygraphs you're gonna get blood tests you're gonna get urine tested you can't just show up on stage and be like oh i just pumped you know some whatever you know substances in my body to make it look so 
pop and all the things. No, this is your body showing up for itself. And if you can, if you don't put in the work, it's not going to show up. And <laughs> maybe you shouldn't try it because let me tell you, nobody goes and puts themselves in a position to show their, you know, their figure and get judged for it if you cannot take it. Your confidence, we're just going to tank. <laughs> Nobody wants to put themselves through that. And that in itself was, you know, just a mental challenge. I'm like, oh my gosh, will I be able to take the feedback that is given to me? And what will I do with it? You know, is it going to destroy me or is it going to build me up? You know, so the importance of fitness has always been forefront because I wanted to be strong enough to put up with those long hours. I wanted to have enough stamina to go through 18 hours days. I wanted to be able to lift 75 pounds, you know, huge speakers that I needed to transport from here to there or unload trucks and do all the things that really you've got to do in AV. Like there is no shortcuts just because you look pretty and I don't know, you're a female. That doesn't mean that you're just going to be uh, skipping on some of the tasks that just come part of the job. So I knew that if I don't invest in my body to build it, to be strong, I won't be able to make it through some of those long days and I'm in the wrong place, you know? So I, I always have had a very, you know, rigid schedule I followed. And I think up until last year, I was kind of doing, you know, a bit of like everything CrossFit. I would do Spartan races. I was like running here and there. I wasn't necessarily strategic about it. Right. So I think that was what I changed the most in uh, 2021 when, uh, or 2022 actually was 20, beginning of uh, middle of 2021 when I actually embarked on the journey. I started looking at it from a strategic point of view. Okay, what are the areas and what are what is the programming that I need to follow and the nutrition that has to be part of this training in order for me to see some changes? Because a lot of us, you know, we go to the gym and then we just jump from equipment to equipment without much of, you know, uh, strategy really at the end of the day. So the same way how we put strategy into our events and why we plan it and how we plan it, the same goes with our personal development and our career choices and our fitness journey. So only when I started doing that and I actually paid attention to what am I doing, how am I doing it, how many reps, what type of progressive overload am I, am I uh, impl implementing in my routine that I saw a difference. So much so that about four months into it, that's when the idea crept in. Oh my gosh, I actually see some definition. Look at my shoulders. I love my arms. And this is something that I'm saying, like I hated my arms all my life. Okay, like genetically, there's some things that my family has when it comes to their arms. And it was one of those things. I'm like, I hated it. Like just, I, there's nothing I can do about it. And then I saw that actually there is something I can do about it. And I saw the change and that's when it clicked. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's actually something to this and I can take it farther. So it became a challenge, challenge against myself. How far can I take it? <laughs> Love it. And then you managed to apply the same thing to, to mental fitness, or is that still sort of the plan for this year? Is that an ambition for this year? I feel like uh, when you go through a, such a rigid um, fitness training, mental fitness become a, becomes a byproduct 
of your journey. And I've actually had, I like to say that just the journey alone in my, uh, in my physical fitness has saved me thousands of dollars in therapy. Now I'm not saying that you shouldn't do therapy if you need to, I should definitely see the, you know, professional counsel if you're therapist, if you need to, but I've actually processed a lot of things, a lot of trauma, a lot of challenges that I haven't touched in decades just going through this motion of like doing my routine, doing my exercises and allowing my mind to process things that I wasn't able or allowing myself to because I was constantly going on the go and the resilience, the determination, the commitment that comes with that. Um, those are all qualities that we should all have part of our mental fitness. And if you have, you know, if you have something that's so challenging that you go through, there is no way that it's not going to rub somehow into your mental health. And there's no way that it's not going to make an impact. So for me, the challenge this year is not to start anew, actually to build on everything that I've already worked on so heavily. I mean, I was able to unpack some trauma from just way back when that I, it was so, I was so this, what's the word, um, disassociated from it that I would have thought that that's a different person. And when I finally was able to get it together in alignment with who I am and realize that things that have happened in the past, and I'm talking about 30 years ago, you know, um, they have made me who I am today. And the reason why certain things I react in certain way or I have certain trigger is because I never put to rest things that, you know, I haven't dealt with. So, just that fitness journey alone, like brought to light so many things that I would have probably just kept on ignoring and shoving, you know, in the subconscious, you know, whatever attic and be like, yeah, I don't have to deal with that. I, And it's this numbness that you start building, you know, but then things will happen when you're like, why am I? so sensitive about this one thing? Why am I so triggered by whatever someone said, right? And if we don't align ourselves, you know, and we don't create this toughness mentally, we're always going to like live life like things happen to us instead of like us making things happen. I think that's, that's super interesting. And how you link the physical fitness with the mental fitness is really really interesting that you kind of found that out through going through the f physical fitness journey right so so you kind of yeah. came out better mentally prepared from from going through that i mean honestly i don't think there's a shortcut i mean as much as i would want to say oh there's a shortcut to get physical fit the reality is it's not <laughs> <laughs> and the same way with mental fitness, you know, if it matters to you enough to be strong, lean, have energy, stamina, endurance physically, it should matter to you that you are functioning at the highest state of your health mentally as well. You're fit enough to respond to whatever the demands and challenges of every day are, be present have the ability to develop positive emotions and leave positive emotions, right? Because there's a lot of people that are hijacked by a lot of negativity. And um, and that's not a good thing to be able to stop yourself and, and audit your thought pattern and say, mm -hmm. yeah, that's not the direction I want to go in because it's so easy to just 
go down that road and have the cognitive function, the improved cognitive function where you can make decisions and saying good decisions on a fly in a high pressure environment. That's another thing, like for me in event productions, like things happen so fast. You know, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and we were actually working on uh, for on an event tech and they're trying to make it a better tool for uh, not just uh, speakers and event planners, but also for event productions for us uh, behind the scenes. And I was explaining to him, like, when you're behind the scenes and the show goes, things happen so fast that one extra second matters. That extra second of pause or having to click on this and this and this instead of just clicking one time, it's a huge difference in the execution of the event. So those are the things that like on the fly, you're going to have to make decisions. And if you're not mentally prepared to do it fast and be focused, present and ready, you know, of all those challenges that can come at you from different directions, then you will jeopardize, it will jeopardize the show. And nobody wants to have a liability on their hands. So as far as I'm concerned, like I want to be showing up at the best of my ability, not just physically, but mentally. And let's just not forget about, you know, self-esteem, self-compassion, uh, the belief that we are competent and we are able to do all the things. I also have empathy for some of the times when we're not at our best, because I mean, we all go through, you know, emotional and uh, mental things that uh, do leave an impact on how you're going to live your day. But if I only have this one life, and if I only have this one body <laughs> that I've been given, then you better believe it that I'll give it the best shot I've got and make it the best functioning body that it's it's capable so I can live the best life I have. Absolutely. I think that's an excellent message and a kind of a powerful reminder to everybody of how important these things are. It's not just a it's not like a physical fitness whim or a mental capability whim. It's it's really important to how we perform every day. So I think that's it. And a it's really in the point. long run too, Miguel, right? Like think about you having young kids. Now mm -hmm. put yourself in the position uh, 20 years from now when they're adults, you know, and the quality of life you want to live when they're 20 so you can enjoy life at the same level that they are. Yeah. I want to be able to run with my kids. I want to snowboard when I'm 75. I have my snowboard, snowboard on top of my car so I can swing into the mountains when I have a moment just because my body allows me to. I never want to be to a place where, you know, God forbid injuries, because I mean, obviously I can control everything, but I don't want to be in a place where I can, I will say, well, that's too hard on my body. I can't do it. That's yeah. not going to be me. <laughs> Good, good for you and a very impressive journey. So thank you for sharing that with us. Absolutely. I so, hope we inspire someone. That's that's the only reason I'm saying, not because I'm better than anyone else. It's just because I hope it inspires you to make those choices, tiny choices that will build a habit that you can take years from now and say, it made a difference. Absolutely. I think those are really important things to to remember and to kind of stack on top of each other, right? Because it all, it all kind of matters in the end. So wanted to kind of start wrapping up, but wanted to kind of bring it back to events and what you do in event production. And I know you do some pretty impressive uh, productions, et cetera, but um, I wanted to get your, your view on kind of the future of, of events, your vision of what events might look like, um, you know, coming up ahead. 
I don't know if you think uh, events are going to be hybrid or if they're going to the production is going to change. What do you see that you think might be where we're heading in the future? You know, it's funny because even though we've gone through COVID and we saw what an impact virtual events have had. Now, for some people, you know, it was like, ah, it wasn't such an impact. It was something that I had to deal with and I hated it, right? Um, the reality is that if you look at it from, you know, um, an objective perspective, if you were that uh, event that allows for virtual to be one of the tools that you use in your strategy, you build yourself to have a global audience, you build accessibility into your event, you've in even incorporate different streams of income that you might not have taken advantage of, but it doesn't mean that they're not there. So I think having that virtual component to an in-person event is going to be something that will last regardless which direction we we're going to go in. What excites me the most is this the ability and the future that is going to go into web3 metaverse and I've actually been asked recently this question about, you know, event tech, like how will event tech, uh, how will that impact, you know, their future? Because it's been such a turmoil, you know, in the last 12, 18 months. Um, and I don't necessarily speak event tech. I use event tech for plaf platforms for events. I speak event productions. However, if, you know, we want to look at last turmoil, any platform that's out there that wants to support events in the future, they will have to figure out how they can adapt to all the changes that are happening so rapidly in, fr in front of our eyes, adapt to Web3, incorporate concepts, you know, such as de decentralization, blockchain technologies, token-based economy, whatever it is that you need to build yourself into the future. Sometimes I still have those, you know, um, the, the, the tech checks that happen behind the scenes for uh, hybrid events where... I actually kind of frustrates me that even in 2023, three years into the, you know, into this te technology revolution in a, in a way virtually, we're still tech checking speakers for having their microphone and their audio and their video. Like, why do we have to do that? Why? Like, we need to take it further. Like, we, we can't be just doing the same thing three years later. Like, by now, we should definitely have gotten on the wagon of knowing what we need to present virtually, to be ready to be, you know, in a hybrid uh, situation. And why don't we spend our energy, energy now to see how can we make our events better in this 3D, you know, in, in the web three, in, in, in the future, in, in metaverse, that that's what excites me. That's what I want to see. Like that's, that's the event of the future that I want to, you know, be involved with and produce, you know, sure. In person will always be a huge part of our events, but there's so many other elements and tools and formats out there that that's what I want to spend some of my, you know, my energy creatively in figuring out. And do you have a kind of vision of what that looks like or is it all about the, the figuring out part i actually am working on a couple of events this year uh, on a couple of projects that are in the metaverse and uh, there's <laughs> the thing is with some of those events you know yes budget is a big part of where you know and how much you're going to spend uh, creatively but if that's not an issue for you um the stopper is just how creative you want to get. That's the only stopper. Like how far do you want to go creatively and what do you want that to make and what do you want it to be for your event? And just 
thinking outside of the box or breaking the box or just whatever it takes. And from a production standpoint, there's so many, uh, there's so many opportunities and I don't necessarily have the handle on the whole parts of the event as a whole, like I said, because I do work with a lot of partners, but if I creatively create that event, produce that event from a event production point of view, you better believe it that I'm the first <laughs> there to make it happen. Love it. I think that's an excellent reason to experiment in the metaverse and the kind of no, no box around it seems like a really interesting uh, yeah. approach, right? Because yeah, there's a lot of physical limitations to in-person events that exactly. you don't have in the metaverse, right? Super creative. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure having a chat with you. And we talked about so many different things. We, we didn't actually talk too much about events, but I think in, in some ways that is good because it's... Uh, it's important for us to know that we're not just about events, right? That there's other things that influence us and other things that impact us every day. So I think that's excellent. Wanted to get your recommendation for someone else to have on the podcast so we can continue this kind of conversations. Well, because uh, you ask and because I'm actually, um, I just started a brand new season on my own podcast, Events Demystified podcast, and mm -hmm. it's all about mental and physical fitness and wellness. I would recommend uh, Dave Stevens. He's, um, he's a great person to dive into this topic. He's actually got quite a bit uh, of research that he's passionate about. And um, I have an episode coming up shortly. Uh, with him um, on my own podcast where we dissect, you know, why is it such a challenge for event professionals to make it a priority, not just for themselves, but also for the events that they plan? And why should we even pay attention to it as in uh, as the future of events? And I feel like because of COVID, all of us as a um as a un as a unison voice, we have made it clear that mental health is so important. Mental fitness is something that will get us through challenging times. I think that was the first time, at least in my life <laughs> that I've lived, that I you know can recall, where everybody was willing to admit that there's certain limitations that we all have and certain challenges and there's anxiety and there's all these things that impact us as personal, as people, but also professionally and to admit to it because you could be struggling with things, but be afraid to say it because you know how much that's going to, uh, you know, impact your job, your, your future possibility and opportunities. Right. So I think COVID, if there's, you know, another good thing that came out of it, I mean, there's obviously a lot of bad things, but there's several good things that came out of it. And one of them is this realization as a, as a group of people, as a one unison voice that it's important to look at our mental health. It's important to build boundaries. It's important to say no, to uh, just go, go, go and hustling, hustling, hustling. And let me tell you, I'm guilty of it. Like I, in so many ways, you know, I'm, I try to say recovering workaholic, but I'm still workaholic. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to put the recovering in it, but I, I just <laughs> struggle sometimes. <laughs> At least you're aware of it, right? I think that's the first part of recovery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it does take some action too. Like you could be aware and still not do no anything about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Next to the next accents. Anga, absolute pleasure talking to you. Uh, thank you for sharing your journey with us. And I'm sure that you're inspiring a lot of people by doing that. So I appreciate it. And I wish you good luck and hopefully listen to more of your podcasts and uh, follow you on your journey on LinkedIn and then through your podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Mingo, for this opportunity. Thank you again.